So I want to read Mark 14. I want to read the whole text today, and then we're going to kind of come back and look at it in a, a different order. And so Mark 14, beginning in verse 12, it says, Now in the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master or maybe the owner of the house, the teacher says, not, not asks, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there make ready for us. So his disciples went out and came into the city and found it just as he had said to them. I underlined that in my Bible. They found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. In the evening, he came with the twelve. Now, as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to, to be sorrowful and say to him, One by one, is it I? And another said, Is it I? And they answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So Peter said to him, Lord, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he, speaking of Peter, spoke more vehemently. And he said, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, likewise. You know, and so there's a lot here, obviously. I mean, we could take this passage and we could probably, you know, teach seven different studies on it. You know, one of the things that I think helps me when I teach the Bible is to know this, that there's one interpretation and, and many applications. A lot of this is pretty self-explanatory. But what I want to do today is kind of look at it from an angle that I think is helpful for us as Christians. You know, in, in our study, we see how Jesus is able to see into the future flawlessly, vividly, perfectly. He sees the future. He knows the future. 
And therefore, we should pay very close attention to him when he speaks. You know, uh, it's been said, we don't know the future, but we know the one who knows the future. And that's very, very helpful. You know, we saw in verses 12 through 16 how Jesus saw in advance the details about their Passover dinner. You know, the disciples asked Jesus where he wanted them to go in order to prepare the Passover meal. You know, he says, how are we going to work this out? You know, notice again there in verse 12, it says, Now on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb. And so this is the, the day of the, you know, the feast. I mean, this is the first day. If you go back to Exodus chapter 12 and you begin to read forward, what you would find is that these two feasts were in conjunction with each other. The Passover lamb would be killed, and then for seven days they would have this feast of unleavened bread. And so, you know, they, they go together, right? And uh, as this whole thing unfolds, to me, I don't know about you, I don't know if you notice it, but to me it's amazing the way the Lord sees everything in advance. You know, and, and it's, like, it's kind of like this. To me, I was thinking of like a Thanksgiving dinner. Imagine waiting. You're not, you don't do any planning at all until the day, until Thanksgiving Day. You don't know where you're going to have it. You don't have any detail, nothing. But then on the day, then, then, you, then you do it, right? And, and you might wonder, why would the Lord do that? I mean, was the Lord uh, irresponsible? Was he a procrastinator? Why hadn't he taken care of these arrangements in advance. You know, we, we know how late it was. It's already the first day of unleavened bread. And some might look at it and say, well, Jesus wasn't a planner. But here's the thing. I believe it was all part of his plan in order to make a point, a very important point, and that is that he knows the future vividly and flawlessly and perfectly. And therefore, when he speaks to us, especially about the future, we should listen carefully. When he tells the guys, you know, go into the city where they would see plenty of people, right? There would be a hustle and bustle. But Jesus said one man, one person's going to stand out. It would be a man carrying a pitcher of water. Now, this would stand out, you know, I mean, just it would be so visible to them because in those days, even like today in many parts of the world, um, to, to carry a water pot was actually a woman's duty. Think about that. How many of you guys here ever go out and get five-gallon jugs of water? Did any of you guys ever do that? Imagine saying, sorry, honey, it's, the, it's a woman's job, you know? <laughs> I mean, you go and you go to Sam's Club and I pick up a pack of uh, water bottles and I imagine telling my wife, sorry, babe, you know what, but according to the Bible, you're supposed to do it, you know. <laughs> I mean, in those days, it was a woman's job to get water. And so um, I think we even have some pictures, do we? I think. See, we see uh, these women. I mean, it's a trip, you know. You always wonder about why do they have to have perfect posture? Uh, and that's why, you know, because they got to carry water bottles on their head. You know, not only that, there's another lady, I, and this one, my goes out to her, look at this older lady carrying water. And it's something that they started with, uh, they trained them when they're young. There's another picture of little girls. And doesn't that make your heart ache to see these little girls, you know, carrying water? 
But see, you got to understand that was the culture. That was their job. Obviously, the guys were out there doing different things. And so when the Lord said, go into the city, when you go into the city, now more than likely he's in Bethany. And so, you know, they got a ways to go, a mile or two. And as they go, they see a man, and that would be different, carrying a, a jug of water. And so they would spot him. And this is what the Lord says, follow him. And when you get to the house that he goes into, what I want you to do is go into the house, find the master of the house, whoever that might be, and, uh, and not, not just ask, but kind of like say, hey, the teacher uh, wants to know where his guest room is and which he's going to eat the Passover with his disciples. And so the Lord told them exactly what would happen as all this thing unfold. The man would show them a large upper room. And, of course, that's something so important in the book of Acts as well. But it would be completely furnished. Think about that. I mean, the whole dining room, I mean, chairs, everything that they would need would already be set. All they had to do was prepare the meal. And so, you know, the Lord, he procrastinates not because he's irresponsible, not because he doesn't plan, because, but it's all part of his plan because he, he does this other times. Remember, he did it with the donkey. You know, he does this just so that his disciples would know he knows everything. He knows the future vividly, flawlessly, perfectly. Therefore, we should listen to him carefully. You know, again, why didn't the Lord work out the arrangements in advance or why didn't Jesus, even I was even thinking of this, I mean, maybe just give him an address or something, you know? Why do you have to do it that way? Why did he make them find a man, follow a man with a jug of water? And again, it's just him demonstrating to them, I know the future. I know everything about your future. I know the very details of your days. I know who you're going to meet. I know where you will go and stay. I know your every need. You're here today. I don't know what's going on in your life, what heartache you have. The Lord knows them all. He knows your thoughts. He knows your hairs. He knows your tears. I mean, in light of this, the Lord says, I love you, and, and I want you to listen to me. He tells them, this is what you're going to need to do when you, when you get there, and this is even what you're going to need to say. You know, I was thinking about this, and I know this is weird. It's weird, but, you know, trying to put it into a modern-day uh, mentality. You know, let's take this truth to the city of Almani. You know, let's just say it's Thanksgiving Day, and uh, I tell my son and a couple of his friends, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go down to Titos. And, uh, and when you get to Titos, you guys know, know Titos, right? All right. You're going to see a guy there at Titos. You're going to see him with a pink iPhone. We'll just say something like that, right? So normally, you know, pink iPhones are belong to a girl, but this is going to be a guy, right? And imagine me telling my son, go to Titos, find the guy with the pink iPhone, and follow him home. Imagine that. Follow him home. And then when he gets home, what I want you to do is go find out who owns the house and tell him that we are going to have Thanksgiving dinner at his house. Tell him, where's the room? Where's the setup, man? And then when you do, when you do, he's going to say, no problem. It's all set up for you. 
imagine that if I told my son that? I mean, you know, just things like that. Now, this obviously was cumulative. They, after all the things the Lord had done, they got to the point where they knew, or at least they should have known, that he knew the future. And, and so, you know, for us, when we see this, it, it has a message for us, right? Uh, when you look at this, I think that in the next things that follow need to be taken in light of the context that the Lord has just given to us, right? And so, you know, you read this whole thing and everything. Look at verse 16, and they found it just as he had said to them, right? And then they prepared the Passover. And so, again, in verse 17, in the evening he came with the twelve, and now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, Surely I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And they began to be bummed, and they say to him, Is it I? Is it I? And he finally said, It's one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish. Verse 21, it says, The Son of Man indeed goes, just as written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had never been born. You see, Jesus saw the future. And, and when he's now predicting the betrayal of Judas, there's a reason for it. It's not just fate. It's not just, hey, Judas, you're locked into this. You want to know what it is? It's a warning. It's a warning. I know what's ahead, Judas. If you stay on this road, you will ruin your life forever. You know, and, and when you're looking at the Lord, man, he's the one that knows the future. I mean, he's God. I mean, to me, I'm going to take that to heart. I mean, if one of you tells me that, I don't know, it's not that big of a deal. But when God tells me that, it changes everything. Hopefully there are no Benedict Arnolds here, no Judases, no traitors, no betrayers. But imagine if, like Judas, you had it all planned out, you know, that you were going to betray the Lord, uh, which he did. But then in a supernatural way, God, God called you out, you know, and, and you'd been found out. He said to you, I know all about your evil scheme. And if you choose to live this way, if, you know, God says if you choose to live this way, you're going to die, you're going to go to hell, you're going to be separated from me forever. That's what the Lord said essentially in verse 21. It would have been better for that man if he had, had never been born. See, it's a warning uh, from someone who knows it's a warning from the Lord to say, man, don't do it, Judas. You know, and let me give you four words that maybe might be helpful. You know, because uh, I don't know, but I, I hear these all the time. You know, these are things that we can take to heart. And the first word is the word ruin. Did you know that if we're, we don't listen to the Lord, we can ruin things eternally? We can also ruin things temporarily. Peter is going to go through that. But Judas ruined things eternally. Why, why didn't he listen? You know, if you would, go to Proverbs 27. We went through this yesterday in the, in the men's fellowship. And uh, I always, uh, 
when I read this passage in Proverbs 27, in verse 12, I always uh, just pause there and I, and I try to think, Lord, where, what's going on in my life? In Proverbs 27, in verse 12, it says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. And one translation says, the prudent see danger and they take refuge. For us, it's taking refuge in Christ. But the simple just keep going and they pay the penalty. You know, I don't know. Hopefully, all of you here are saved. Hopefully, all of you here have truly given your heart to Christ. I'm not talking about your head. I'm not talking about your brain. I'm talking about your life. And if you have, your life will reflect it. It won't be, you know, you being one way at church and another way at home, if that's you, you might not really know the Lord. You know, we're talking about a true warning here. God says a prudent man foresees evil and, and, he, and he changes his way. Man, if I stay on this road, there's a sinkhole down the way. I, I better get off this road. I better make a complete stop. I better, you know, do a U-turn right here. I better change. I better get real. Because the, if you don't, then the simple, they just keep going. They pass on, and guess what? They're punished. By who? By God. So when the Lord is saying, I know the future, he's proving it to them over and over and over again. And of course, we know the Bible is a testimony of that. 25% of it is prophetic. God knows the future. And so if he says to you and to me, hey, if you stay on this road, you'll ruin yourself eternally, hopefully you'll listen. Some of you here, maybe it's time to get real, to come to that place of, of absolute surrender and a true and genuine brokenness where you can honestly say, not my will anymore, but thine be done. You see, God warns back in, 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 in Mark because he wants to get right. He wants us to get right. You know, it's not like he's saying this because it's over and done with, although in one sense, because Judas wouldn't change, it was, but he was warning them. You know, there's something similar if you read the Old Testament book of the book of Jonah. Remember Jonah? He was sent to this evil, wicked nation named Assyria in the capital of Nineveh. And uh, you guys remember that story there? Jonah uh, didn't want to do it, so he was going the wrong direction. He finally got swallowed by a great fish, taken to Nineveh, spit up there. He got barfed on the beach, and then he was all probably glowing white and, you know, looked weird. And then he had a, just, a, just a, it wasn't even a loving message, you know. It wasn't even a loving message. He just said in the uh, book of Jonah, chapter 3, verse 4, he cried out and said, Yet 40 days and Nineveh's going to be dust. I mean, that was the prediction. 40 days, you guys are history. You guys are done. You guys are, you guys are going to perish, right? And, and what ended up happening? You guys remember the story, the, the king, the people, they heard it. They, they took it to heart, and they fasted, and they sought the Lord, and they, they took it seriously, and they changed their ways. And what happened? God forgave. So again, it's not like the Lord is saying, hey, you know, this is what's going to happen in Judas' presence, only to give him information. It was actually, in one sense, an olive branch for peace 
and salvation. And, and so if the Lord says, hey, you know, you need to change roads because I know what's ahead. You're going to die tomorrow and you're going to go to hell. Why not get right? See, the first word is the word ruin, and that ruin can happen eternally. It can also happen temporarily. You know, we read in verses 27 through 31 about, about you know, how the Lord said that the disciples would be scattered after the shepherd is smitten, and then Peter would deny the Lord. And, uh, you know, imagine that. The Lord says, hey, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, oh, no way. That's never going to happen. I mean, I don't know. Like, dude, Where's your brain, man? I mean, this is the Lord, the one who knows the future, remember? I mean, why would you just make it so simple like that? you got to find out what's going on. I mean, again, was it just to tell Peter? No, it was to turn Peter. Hey, you're going to deny me. Really? What do I need to do to, to maybe not deny you, right? I mean, you know, Jesus would later tell Peter in Matthew 26, 41, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, I mean, if you don't change lanes, if you don't do something different, then you're going to ruin things. For some, it's eternally. For Christians, it could be temporarily. You know, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to ruin any days of my life. For Peter, it was 10 days that, that ten, did 10 days, three denials that he would always regret. He ruined those days because he denied the Lord, right? I, I mean, this can happen, the ruin eternally or temporarily, both are bad. You know, he gave the devil ammunition, something the devil would probably throw in his face for the rest of his life. You know, thank God the Lord does bring people back, but anyone who's ever backslid will tell you that those years or those days or whatever, weeks, months, that they were away from the Lord, if they could, they would buy them back in a blink of an eye. If only I could have served the Lord all the days of my life. So the key is to listen to the Lord. You know, he's just saying, mijo, I love you. You know what? Be careful of that. Sometimes we think we can handle it. Peter thought, I could handle it, man. Don't worry. I can beat up the devil. I'm sure you can. Oh, it's okay, Lord. It's just a little lust, a little harmless flirting. How can that hurt? It's just marijuana, man. You know, some people, they think those things are okay, and what ends up happening is we don't listen to the Lord, even though he knows the future. He knows the road you're on will lead to ruin. You know, even if you think about it this way, the message that he gave to Peter, what did he tell Peter? Because Peter was what? Peter was overconfident. And how did that then lead him? What did, how did it manifest itself in his life? He didn't pray. And so for those of you who know the digression of Peter, he was overconfident. I don't need to pray. I don't need to pray. I've been walking with the Lord for three years. I've done miracles. I cast out demons. You know, I walked on water for a couple of steps. I mean, I, you know, I'm Peter. The Lord knows I'm the leader, right? I don't need to pray. Maybe you're here today and your prayer life, God's been, God's been warning you. Maybe God's been warning you. If you don't start praying the way that you should, 
eventually you will deny me. I'm okay, Lord. I'm sleepy. It was hot the last few nights, and I don't have any AC in my house, and I've been tossing and turning, and I haven't really got a lot of sleep, Lord, so I, I don't really need to pray. And then that led to what? You know, Peter not praying. It led to him following at a distance. The next thing you know, he was warming himself by the enemy's fire. And the next thing you know, he denied the Lord. Listen to the Lord who knows the future. Listen to the Lord if he's telling you to pray. Pray. Whatever he's telling you to do. You know, he knows. God knows better. And that, something about that, just that, it, it changes everything. You know, not only knowing your weaknesses, but even knowing your hurts. You know, yesterday I heard a, a, a true story about a man, and when I heard it, my, my heart just, man, it just it broke, and then it, and then it, and then it, it, it kind of like went back up, and it was just a, a story about a man. Christian man who loved the Lord, he was kind of renewed in his dedication to follow Christ. And so in one sense, he was strong, but now he's even stronger. Imagine that. And so you go home one day to find out your wife tells you she's having an affair with your best friend. So what he did was uh, he went, he got his gun, and he started heading to this guy's house. He was going to kill him. But as he's on the way to kill this guy who had had an affair with his wife, supposedly a best friend, he got a flat tire. And so as he's there, another guy pulls up and says, can I help you? And he says, no. So the guy looks at him, and he leaves. A little time passes by. And the guy comes back. And he said, can I help you? And he said, no. And he said, I'm sorry, but God told me that I have to come back. I got to help you. This guy's about to kill somebody. Imagine the pain that's going on in his heart because his wife is having an affair. But God knows, and God met him there. And I think because of that reality, you know, of God knowing and God seeing and God intervening, thank God he changed his plan. You know, he made a U-turn. And the beautiful thing is that God restored their marriage. There's something about life, living life, knowing that God knows. You know, we, in looking at this, there's a lot of things that we see in this text. In verses 20 through to 26, we talk about the Lord's, you know, instituting communion and redemption. And if you look at it again, it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. They all drank from it. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, 
which is shed for many. I mean, God knows, huh? God knew that Judas would betray him. God knew, of course, Jesus knew that he was going to the cross, right? He knew exactly what he was getting himself into, right? The broken bread, the poured out wine, he was broken, beaten, battered body for us, shows his love. And think about this. How many of you guys here freak out when you bleed? Just out of curiosity, you know? You hit yourself, oh, okay, is it bleeding? Oh, that, you know, that is pretty bad or whatever, you know? When we were in Cambodia, that was like the big question in my mind, you know, you hit your leg and... Because they say that that's the dangerous thing is that when you kind of like break the surface of the skin, the chances of infection or whatever, you know, um, that's where it gets dangerous. And so, you know, we don't like to, to bleed, right? A lot of us here are crybabies, you know. But the Lord is just like, man, I broken bread. And this is my body, you know, poured out wine. This is the blood. I want you guys to do what? I want you to eat it. Okay, now, don't think it's cannibalism. That's nothing according to the scriptures. What it is is belief. You know, it's not eating something physically. It's eating something spiritually. Eat it. You know, later in 1 Corinthians, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Because a lot of times we forget Jesus. And so that's why he institutes communion which we're going to practice and celebrate today. But, you know, the Lord knowing the future. I, I know you about you, Judas. I know about the, the first R is ruin. The second R is redemption. You know, we were once gods. We, we sinned. We went our own way. But he, he bought us back. He suffered to save us. How much did you cost? How many of you here think you're worth a million dollars? How about a billion? You're like, nah. Some people don't understand their value. You know, the world calls it, you know, a lack of self-esteem. And if you want to use those words, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But I think most of us here, in one sense, we love ourselves. But I will say this, that many times we don't realize our value. You know, we are invaluable because we have been bought with the blood of God. We have been redeemed. The Lord knew this in advance, what he would do, and he bought us back. And so he instituted communion. And we see that in verses 22 through 26. And so first ruin, be careful. Listen to the Lord because he knows the future about stuff like that, about redemption. And then this is cool. Turn to Luke 22. You guys still with me? You're doing pretty good. I noticed that. There's a little sparkle in your eye. I like that. You know, because I love this part, you know, because let's just say you are here today and you are a Peter and you did deny the Lord or you did kind of drift away for a while. Look what we read, something else the Lord knew. In Luke 22, in verse 31, this is when the Lord said, he's talking to Peter, Simon, Simon, in, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, you know, that, that it ultimately you, you won't, you know, really stop believing. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And this is what he says. And when you have returned, 
when you have returned to me, this is what I want you to do. Strengthen your brothers. I love that. I love that. When we're talking about the Lord knowing the future, I love that part right there. First word is ruin. Second word is redemption. Third word is restoration. You know, because maybe you're here today and you've maybe blown it. The enemy comes in and he says, hey, God will never forgive you. You denied the Lord three times. God will never forgive you. Not only will God never forgive you, he will never restore you. You know, you had this calling on your life, man. You were supposed to be one of those guys who strengthened the brethren, but now you've denied the Lord, man. Maybe he'll let you go into heaven, you know, by the, the skin of your teeth, but you'll never be involved in ministry again. And the Lord, what did he do? He, he told him in advance, I will restore you. When you come back, this is what I want you to do. I want you to strengthen the brothers. And when I read that, that message in the middle of that madness, how Jesus, who knew it would all happen before it happened, when I, when I read this, man, it just encourages me and, and, and you. I don't know what God has for you. You know, but whatever you do, don't limit the Lord and don't say, well, I've blown it so much, God can't use my life. I'll tell you what, if you just say, here am I, God, I give you my life. I turn from my sins. I'm telling you this, and I've seen it all the years of my life. God can use anyone who's willing. And he did with Peter, didn't he? I think when Peter was there, because you guys remember Peter's story, he denied the Lord. And then uh, what ended up happening was after Jesus rose again, he sent the women back with a message. He said, tell the disciples and Peter. Remember that? He singled out Peter. He said, tell them, you know, I'm risen. I'm going to meet him in Galilee. But you guys remember the Lord came back and, he, you know, he appeared to Peter even individually, the Bible says. And then he appeared to them when they were all together. And so he's appearing to him. But you guys remember the story? You read in the book of John 21. It says, then he went fishing. Peter said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my vocational skill that I used to do before. There's apparently not any way that I could possibly be an apostle. And what does he do? He goes fishing. And in the Greek language, it's in the aorist tense. It means that he was going to go back to his old job. Until what happened? You guys remember what happened? The Lord went to the, the right there to the shore. And he said, hey, you guys caught any fish? No, not yet. He's a cast on on the other side, and then, you know, they did, and there were so many fish. Peter said, it's got to be the Lord. And he just dove into the water. He came back, and Jesus restored him. Just in case you're here and you think that he can't restore you, he can. And I'm sure in the back of Peter's mind, he's thinking, you know what, as a matter of fact, the Lord told me this would happen. Don't listen to the devil. You see, the Lord knows these things. And, and when you're there in the middle of it, it encourages you. You know, one last thing. Uh, back in, in Mark, we have the word ruin. Man, don't be ruined eternally or temporarily. We have that word redemption, how... The Lord went to the cross with eyes wide open because of his love. We have the word restoration, how God is able to restore 
us to him and even to ministry. But then we have this beautiful word, and that is reunion. Look at verse 25. Jesus says, Surely I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And, and what the Lord is saying, and when we put the synoptic Gospels together, we say the Lord is just saying that, you know, what he's saying is we're going to, we're going to break bread again. Us, I'm going, to, I'm going to leave right now. I'm going to die right now. I'm going to send into heaven. I'm going to be gone for a while, years. A lot of you guys, you know, John would live, you know, for another 70 years. But when, you, when we get to heaven, we're going to do this again. And, and when, I, when I read that, I'm just so blessed. You know, I don't know about you, but there is something special. I think there's something special about, about breaking bread together, you know, uh, about, you know, this type of celebratory uh, supper, you know. Um, and it's got to be a lot of food. I don't know about you. I think that it's got to be a lot of food. Like sometimes Henry and I will have lunch, and I'll say, hey, bro, let's have some yogurt together. And we... We do, but it's not the same, you know. You need like some, you know, whole bunch of grub on the table, man, and the big thick steaks and just the feast and the celebration and that joy and that occasion. And and I think that that the Lord is trying to encourage them, the one who knows the future. I mean, he's proven it. That there's something for us. In the future, we can't see it with these eyes, but we can see it so clearly, vividly, flawlessly, perfectly with these eyes. I want you to know we're going to break bread together again there in the kingdom. I got to go now. But I'm going to set the table. This is not our home. I mean, it's cool. There's a lot of good things. There's a lot of bad things. But we're fish out of water. That's our home. And one day we will be with him. You know, I, I think of Henry's mom, Lupe. I think of Elizabeth and Cynthia's dad, Anna's husband, Conrad. I think of them. I can almost hear his voice. I, can, I think of a lot of you here that I know whose loved ones have passed on and they're waiting for us there in the kingdom of God, will be together again. He said it, and he knows the future because we've seen this over and over and over again. You know, Job said this, and we covered this on Thursday, uh, Job 19, 25 through 27, For I know that my Redeemer lives. Not I think he lives or I hope he lives. I know he lives. And Job went on to say, and he shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. You know, we don't know all the details about heaven, but I tell you what, we do know this, that God will be there. We'll have bodies, and we will see him. And that's going to be absolutely amazing. Do you know that? Are you here today? Do you know that? If you were dying on your deathbed in the hospital 
Would you be, would you be saturated with doubts about it? I mean, do you know that? Do you believe that Jesus lives, that Jesus loves? In lieu of the warnings, how about will you behave? Will you get right? Hopefully you will. Hopefully we will. Hopefully God will do a work that's life-changing today. As we have communion, praise God, being able to study together the power of His cross and be able to remember Him.